Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Now, generally speaking, on a Monday, we look back at the weekend of activities, results that build up to what would be title championships and cup wins and so on. This weekend, it seemed to be everywhere you looked, somebody winning a trophy. We'll talk about all of those. Let's start with, yes, I know I'm a Manchester United fan and I'm leaving that other story for that other team to last. I'm leaving it to last because I know you want to hear what I've got to say. So I'm going to make you listen to the whole podcast until we get to the Premier League review with regards to promotion and relegation. But we're going to start with golf news and Brooks Kupka has certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons, excuse the pun, or should I say um, sliced uh, his ball right into the heart of the PGA by winning the championship, bagging his fifth major. But what's so remarkable about it and controversial about it is that he is one of the players and the first one to win a major after being booted off the PGA Tour, or if you like, left the PGA Tour, depends on which side of the story you look at, to go to the Greek Norman Saudi-backed Live Golf Tournament. It's a milestone major triumph for him. As I say, the 33-year-old American captured his third PGA Championship and the first player to win a major since joining the Live Golf Tournament. He's fired a, a three-under 67, rather, to finish the 72 holes at Oak Hill on nine under par, 271. Cooper said this is a special one and the sweetest of them all because of all the hard work that went into it. The 11th ranked Norwegian, he came through in second place. That is Victor Havland and Scotty Scheffler also there as well. They were beaten by two strokes. At one stage, it was very close, but there were a smuttering of booze for Kupka as he walked onto the 18th green to make the concluding putt for the title. It is the sign of the bitter acrimony that has engulfed golf since the launch of the Live Golf Circuit last year. Kupka, though, calmly finished off an impressive romp, his first major win since 2021. Right knee surgery had sidelined him for almost two seasons. He says he's heard it all. He just doesn't care. That sports, you've got to be mentally tough. Thinking of the rehabilitation recovery, Kupka made an emotional walk onto the 18th green. Good for him. Kupka was amongst the stars who jumped the, from the PGA to the Live Golf Tournament, which offered record $25 million purses for 54 whole events, despite concerns over Saudi Arabia's human rights record. The PGA then banned all Live talent from its events with a legal fight between them due in court next May. In the meantime, the majors have produced the only outlet for competition between players from the rival tours. In all, there were six major winners from the Live circuit in the field of 156 with a combined 15 major titles. None of them had won since joining the upstart circuit, including Australian Cam Smith, the British Open title winner from last July. Smith said that they haven't forgotten how to play golf. They're all great golfers out there. Kupka led entering the final round in last month's Masters, but in his words, choked away the green jacket, finishing second to Spain's John Rahm. He did take lessons in mental attitude and came through. For the Southern African contingent team, Baumeister, Burmeister was the best place South African at eight over par. He came 54th, while Thurston Lawrence finished 11 over par, tied for 62nd. The other two South Africans in the field, Christian Pazadenert and Oki Stratum, 
both missed the cut. So well done there. Right, another trophy that was lifted. And uh, quite strange, this one. In terms of the fact that Daniel Medvedev, uh, who's won 19 titles in his career, 18 of those on hard courts, one on grass, unexpectedly one on clay for the first time. A magnificent performance by him. He's also risen to number two in the world rankings ahead of the French Open, capturing that Rome title. And he said it's his most special triumph heading into Rome. Medvedev was, I say, a winner of only one event off clay, but he was also the winner of uh, 18 events of those on the hard courts. He says he ranks his victory amongst many successive. It's just one of the most unbelievable events that he has played in. And good for him. He uh, captured the event by beating the uh, rising Dane, Holger Rune, in straight set 7-5 and 7-5. Right, other uh, news from the weekend. The world of rugby saw a incredible performance. I, I mean... You know what, there's sometimes you look at games and you say to yourself before the uh, matches start that there is no chance of one or the other uh, team winning the event. And we're talking, of course, about the big game on Saturday evening. And it was a triumph that Ronan O'Gara said he wants to coach his native island after steering La Rochelle to the European Champions Cup his second successive European Cup, the French club staged a magnificent comeback. They were 17-0 down after 20 minutes and beat Leinster 27-26 at Lansdowne Road in what was effectively a home game for the Dublin-based Irish prop. The 46-year-old former fly-off capped 128 times by Ireland, made no secret of his ambition, but stressed he was prepared to bide his time with Ireland having just won the Six Nations Grand Slam under English coach Andy Farrell. He told the BBC that he of course wanted to coach Ireland, but you have got to earn that right. As a player, Agora had many great days at Lansdowne Road, but he said Saturday's success, which followed La Rochelle's equally dramatic win last year over Leinster, was right up there with the best of them. And I have to tell you something. It was a magnificent performance. So, as far as the South Africans are concerned, well, Cheslin Colby, Dylan Leitch, Raymond Rule, and the final, Yako Paper, all played their parts in the other match that was on at the weekend. It was a magnificent performance there as well. The uh, win for Toulon against Glasgow Warriors, 43 points to 19, 43 points to the Glasgow Warriors team. But uh, La Rochelle became the fifth team to win back-to-back European Champions Cups. And the other game, as I mentioned, fantastic performance um, for the La Rochelle side. So those are the two matches that uh, happened at the weekend. Um, I need to just stress, I've had a look at the weather report. Um did I say La Rochelle? I meant Toulon. So Toulon and La Rochelle winning at the weekend. Um, I did mention the fact that I have seen the weather reports for the weekend. And it's rather disturbing, I might add, um, because, you know, we, we love to, in South Africa, the time of their lives. This, however, is one of those occasions in Cape Town where I really don't want to give 
the um, visitors the time of their lives. But from Wednesday, it appears as though Cape Town is going to turn into Ireland. Yes, it's going to be rainy and miserable and windy and cold and terrible conditions in the Cape for that big clash at the weekend. In fact, Thursday, they are predicting heavy rain, not just rain, storms and flooding coming to the mother city of Cape Town ahead of that big clash at the weekend where the stormers will be in action. Um, Now, it's interesting that I mentioned the weather, and it's also interesting that at the weekend, which brings me to the Curry Cup action we had at the weekend, and that is that uh, played rugby for the first time, believe it or not, at the Athlone Stadium. Now, the Athlone Stadium revamped, I should say, beautiful at the head just before the World Cup, Soccer World Cup, that is, in 2010 here in Cape Town. And Western Province played there for the first time um, at that stadium, giving the Cape Town Stadium's field a breather. Now, with all this rain I'm talking about on its way, the organisers are going to be a little bit worried about that uh, Cape Town pitch and how it's going to hold up. But the Western Province side, that's the Curry Cup side, beat the Pumas 22-14 in their top four Curry Cup Premier Division, as I say, at the Athlone Stadium at the weekend. The home side was sitting in fourth spot heading into the fixture. The travelling side occupied the second seat, and Jimmy Stonehouse's team scored in the very first minute, and Western Province gave their version of a clapback, which originated from the base of a ruck with a pass and scrum off would stand out to Clayton Blomakis, who did the most in showing his control over the ball. Uh, it was disallowed as the initial handover in the opposition was ruled forward, but Province then outscored their opponents by three tries to two in a very tight contest, but a, a very good win for the Western Province side. Right, The other results uh, from the weekend in the Premier Competition in South Africa. Um, and there were some very close ones, I might add. The Bulls and the Lions also, they really um, got the crowds going big time uh, with a seriously close game there. 32-33 to the Bulls, just a single point in that one. And then the Griffins lost at home by 47 points to 21 against Griquas. And then uh, Friday evening's matches, the Sharks beat the Cheetahs 35-23. And Western Province beat the Pumas, as I mentioned, by 22 points to 14. So uh, great results as far as those matches are concerned. Uh, Coming up on Friday, the Griffins play the Sharks and Western Province play the Lions. And then on Saturday, the Cheetahs play the Griquas and the Pumas play the Bulls. What does that do for the table, these results at the weekend? Well, the Cheetahs are still top just because of uh, the points that they have and at plus 96 points as the plus 65 to the Sharks who also have 38 points the Pumas are rooted in third place on 35, three points behind and Western Province have 31 points three points ahead of Griquas, so it's very close for fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh there's just uh, five points separating all those sides, the Griffins are done and dusted with only nine points the Cheetahs and the Sharks look as though they're going to be the two teams that will qualify for home semifinals. And then the Pumas in Western Province are with the Griquas, the Bulls and the Lions all still fighting it out for third, fourth, third, fourth and fifth positions. Right now, one other series of rugby results 
But I have to be honest with you, I wish I didn't have to discuss. Um, but those Blitzbocker, what on earth has happened to the Blitzbocker? It's the most bizarre scenario. I know they've had a few injury problems. I know things have got a little tough for them. But they were absolutely terrible. They never won a game in the round-robin matches of the London Sevens. While Australia, our nemesis, booked their place at Paris 2024, Argentina won the concluding London leg of the World Series at Twickenham. Victory in the seventh-place playoff against Great Britain meant Australia wrapped up fifth place in the overall standings. They've qualified for next year's games. It looked as if Australia had missed out when they were beaten by Fiji in the quarterfinals. Samoa, their closest challenger, were already in the semi-finals and then led Argentina. Had they won that match, then a place in the games would have been theirs. And but for a forward pass that led to a disallowed try, Samoa would have booked their place in both the Twickenham final and the Olympics. However, Argentina won the match that opened the door for Australia. And after all the tension, Nathan Lawson ran in a hat-trick of tries. Australia hammered Great Britain 34-5 to secure Olympic qualification the World Series for the first time. The Springbok Sevens team shrugged off the disappointment of not making the quarterfinals at London Sevens with two big wins. As a result of their failure to win any pool games on Saturday, the South African team didn't gain automatic qualification for the Olympics next year, and Blitzbok coach Sandili and Corbo said they were bitterly disappointed with that. However, they did hit back with two strong performances on Sunday, beating Japan 29-7 and the USA 47-5 after their disappointment of losing all their pool matches. Well, they lost two and drew one, or didn't win a pool match, I should say. So they now have to go to an Africa qualifying event, which I would normally say would be not difficult. Um, but the way they've been playing, the South Africans, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on there. Anyway, let's uh, hope things turn around, and they do qualify for the Olympics, and all is forgotten they count there and win a gold medal, because on their day, they can beat absolutely anybody. Okay, so what else has happened over the last couple of uh, hours or so, to, uh, 24 to 36 hours? Well, I can tell you, Tyson Fury, the uh, boxing champion, the WBC world champion, is currently in Australia, and this morning, he said he's exploring the possibility of a fight down under. The unbeaten Fury is in Australia to support his close friend and former WBO heavyweight champion, Joseph Parker. He will be fighting Faiga Opelu in uh, a world uh, WBO heavyweight clash on Wednesday night. He says he's 100% serious. The 34-year-old Fury boasts a record of 33 wins from 34 fights with one draw. is in Australia for the first time. All right, I've been trying to put it off for as long as possible. But I can't. I have to mention it. No, I have to really talk about it more than just mention it. Well done, Manchester City. That's one out of a possible three to try and emulate Manchester United and win the treble. However, there is one team in their way, and that is that very self-same Manchester United. Two weeks' time, it's the FA Cup final. We will preview that in great depth. But let's talk about the Premier League right now. I've sent my congratulations to Manchester City. Okay, Man City fans, you can wave your flags and fly your flags. You've got two weeks to wait to go before you're going to get beaten. Not something that Manchester City have uh, had to experience for many times before. But 
The bottom of the table is far more important right now than the top of the table because the top of the table, winner has been done and dusted. The second place is done and dusted. Third and fourth are almost done and dusted. Point tonight for Newcastle against Leicester will most probably doom Leicester to relegation and guarantee Newcastle a place in the Champions League next season. And then Manchester United's match in midweek, if they get a point from that, that'll guarantee them also automatic qualification. And that means that Liverpool will finish fifth and they will not qualify for the Champions League. But Leeds United will need Everton to lose to Bournemouth to have any chance of survival in the Premier League. And Leeds will also have to beat Spurs at the weekend. Leeds were defeated 3-1 by West Ham at the London Stadium. They are now pretty much going to go down. They slipped closer, did they, after a 3-1 defeat against West Ham in their penultimate game of the season. And the worst part about it was for them, they blew a lead. Yeah, they were leading by a goal to nil. Early goal from uh, Rodrigo, and then goals from Declan Rice, Jared Bowden, and way into referee's optional time, Manuel Lanzini scored. Leeds remained third bottom, and so two points adrift of fourth-placed Everton. Both teams have one game left, and even if Leeds beat Tottenham at home on the final day of the season, the Yorkshire club would still be relegated if Everton win their last game against Bournemouth at Goodison Park. Leeds, whose goal difference is three worse than Everton, are likely to need the Toffees to lose to have a chance of staying up. Second bottom, Leicester, who are three points from safety, have a slender hope of avoiding relegation at Newcastle tonight and West Ham on the final day. Leeds, who last played in the championship in 2020, have lost twice and drawn once in three games since Sam Allardyce replaced the sacked Javi Garcia earlier this month. Allardyce had labelled Leeds' trip to his former club, West Ham, as a cup final. But the defeat means Leeds need a repeat of last season's final day escape when they won at Brentford to climb out of the bottom three. For West Ham, just three days uh, from beating AZ Alkmaar to reach the Europa Conference League final, Against Fiorentina, they made six changes and still came up in the top of that moment. So, well done for them. Um, now, Manchester City's domestic dominance up to Pep Guardiola has made a mockery of the Premier League's claim to be more competitive than Europe's top leagues. Is that or is that not true? I don't think it is, but that's what the newspapers are saying. A city sealed their fifth title in six seasons with three games to spare, having ultimately seen off Arsenal's challenge to win the league for the first time in 19 years with ease. That's Arsenal's attempt in 19 years. Their dominance looked remarkable, like that of Bayern Munich in Germany or Paris Saint-Germain in France, despite a clutch of hugely wealthy rivals in England. Guardiola's men can enhance their case to be considered one of the all-time great teams in the coming weeks by matching the achievement of Manchester United's treble winners 1998-99 by adding the Champions League and the FA Cup. United can stop them in the FA Cup, the Champions League. Well, that I think they most probably, the form that they're in at the moment is anything to go by. They should come out on top there. Right. Let's just have a look before we leave you at what the table looks like and how things have panned out. I haven't mentioned it, but I'm going to because I know my producer Nick is wanting to know what I've got to think about his team, and they were brilliant. Nottingham Forest won themselves another season in the Premier League. I mean, that's just unbelievable because now the balloon payments that come through for this season, they'll receive next season, 
which is what all teams that are promoted are waiting for because that gives them the chance to actually use the money and increase their talent of players and hopefully get some more players into their team to succeed in staying in the Premier League for longer than one, and in this case, two seasons. So Nottingham Forest, by virtue of their win over Arsenal, which gave Manchester City the title before they even played yesterday, has lifted them to 34 points from 36 games, and they are safe. They are safe from relegation. Everton, Leeds, and Leicester are the three teams that are in a spot of bother. Um, and that really is going to depend on what happens in the matches to come at the weekend. So the Forest have 37 points. They are four points ahead of Everton. The most Everton can get is 36, which means they cannot pass Nottingham Forest. 31 points to Leeds. The best they can do is 34, which means if they win and Everton lose, they will be stay up. Everton will go down. And if Leicester City do not win tonight, they will be relegated. So by the time tonight's fixtures against Newcastle are done and dusted, it could be Newcastle guaranteed Champions League football for next season, which would be massive for that club. And it means Leicester City, Premier League champions at 5,000 to 1, they will be relegated. That would be an absolute Horrible blow. So what does that mean for the rest of the week? Well, the fixtures for the week look like this. Tonight it is Newcastle United against Leicester City. As I say, Newcastle win. That guarantees them Champions League football for next season. A Leicester loss guarantees them First Division or Championship football for next season. Wednesday night, Brighton against uh, Manchester City. Obviously, that game means absolutely nothing for either side. Let me just tell you about Brighton for a moment. They have made it into Europe for the first time in their 100-plus year history. That's unbelievable. Brighton fans, I, I can tell you right now, are still on the pier drinking beer after the game at the weekend. Magnificent for in European football next season. And then on Thursday evening, Manchester United are going to have to be at their best to beat Chelsea. Although Chelsea did lose to a very depleted Manchester City side by Golden Lowell yesterday. For Man United, they just need a draw. And that means that they will guarantee fourth place. Um, depending, of course, on the Newcastle results tonight, they might even be able to get into third place. And then on Sunday, all of these matches played at half past five, all at the same time. You're going to have to have three TVs or a picture-in-picture on your TV or Watch one on your laptop, one on your TV, one on your friend's computer. Bring all your mates around because it's going to be an afternoon. The bottom of the table where things I can guarantee you are going to give people heart murmurs and you're going to need the headache and uh, heart tablets right handy. And maybe even a number for your emergency uh, department close by. So starting at Opus 5, all these games played at the same time. Aston Villa versus Brighton. Nothing there to worry about. Arsenal versus Wolves, nothing there to worry about. A must-win situation for the Toffees. Everton at home, Goodison Park to Bournemouth. Chelsea against Newcastle. It could still mean Newcastle have to win against Chelsea away from home. Chelsea will want to give their fans a great send-off at the end of the season. As I say, that would be for Newcastle to remain unless they get a point or, or win tonight. That will be their place guaranteed in Europe next year. 
Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest will be delighted they don't have to get a result out of the game against Crystal Palace. Southampton against Liverpool. That'll just be a final farewell to Southampton's fans at home before they drop down a division. Who knows what Leicester City's situation is going to be like against West Ham because they'll play tonight. Manchester United might need a point still against Fulham on the weekend if they don't draw or beat Chelsea in midweek. Brentford against Manchester City, that means absolutely nothing to either side, to be honest with you, except playing for pride. And Leeds against Spurs. Now, Spurs, you never know with them. They led 1-0 at the weekend and then got completely hammered in the second half. I guess they're going to be managerless next year, but who knows? So Leeds United, another side in that relegation zone. That is it from tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Be nice to each other. Talk to you again tomorrow. Bye for now.